This is the ProAV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration. Only on market scale. Nowadays, we put a lot of AV on the ones and zeros. They want more features, but they want to see less hardware. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pro AV Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Whether it's a space shuttle launch, an offshore oil operation, or a security center, at the heart of mission critical decisions is always the control room or the command center. It's a market that the AV industry has taken command of, though the specifics and design from industry to industry can still be difficult to point out. Not for our guests today, though. Here to break down the ins and outs of control room design is Doug Walker and Bob Mann from Electrosonic. Doug, Bob, great to have you both on. How are you doing today? Yeah, really good. Thanks Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure getting to chat with both of you, and I'm excited to dig into this concept of control room design we've definitely talked about it on the podcast before but not this in depth and also not focusing on a specific industry which we'll get into in a little bit but we're really going to look at how control rooms affect the oil and gas industry and some of the ways that technological advances in control room design have really showcased growth and tangible benefits in that industry so let's start with that evolution Obviously, the control room has evolved a lot in the last, let's just say, decade. So which industry changes plus technology changes have you really seen change the control room for good? The sort of first thing that we think of is the term control room actually doesn't necessarily mean the same thing to everyone. So we sort of start by, you know, defining maybe what that actually is. So from my perspective, it can be a simple thing. It could be, you know, a room with dials and valves switches. You know, that kind of just, you know, very physical devices It could be something a lot more sort of software driven. So like where your motorways are monitored or your roads, uh, your flight control type control rooms, they're, they're completely separate things. So in the oil and gas industry, we, we've seen the control room attached to what is actually controlling. So very often that's in a very hostile location, especially you know in the North Sea where we're sort of primarily working. So with improved interconnectivity and better collaborative tools, that control room doesn't actually have to be out there anymore. It doesn't have to be in, in that hostile environment. So this brings uh, big health and safety benefits. You know, only essential personnel have to be on the, the operated asset, on the oil rig, for example. So it allows people to be brought onshore uh, and operate the, the same workload from a remote location. This allows for sort of better sharing of resources, better planning abilities, and just better uh, communication between workers and shifts. Um, so there's a lot of improvements there. Technology has evolved, obviously, as we're all aware. Um, so that, as that technology has evolved, our attitude to our work, our expectation of our access to the data and our colleagues, all this has changed. We have the expectation that we can you know, pick up the phone and actually just speak to somebody straight away. Um, so, you know, as part of that, we don't actually work at our desk from 9 to 5 anymore. So we need to have access to our data, access to our colleagues from wherever we are. So the control room doesn't necessarily reside in one environment anymore. It spills out into multiple places and everything is coming or data is coming from multiple sources. People are trying to access this data from multiple sources, multiple places. So the control room is a very flexible uh, environment nowadays. I see that. So it's not quite as tied to one physical space as it used to be. Yeah. Uh, certainly in our experience, I, I would say it's not. Yeah, as, as Doug mentions, the term control room is easily misrepresented. In the oil and gas field, it's more of 
what we call an efficient and what we would call a controlled environment the client's looking to create. So from the systems that we work with a client to create, this allows the onshore teams to sort of monitor, evaluate and implement improvements or replacements of faulty equipment, which in turn allows them to be more efficient at overseeing problems which may occur more regularly than they anticipated. But the most important tool that we are providing is the ability to communicate immediately and seamlessly with any offshore asset. These controlled environments allow the end user to have a live feed to each asset being monitored by each specific onshore team. So the integration of multiple communication platforms is key to allowing any worker to communicate with any asset about any problem at any given time. I'm glad you brought up the oil and gas industry. That is definitely an industry I wanted to focus on in this conversation because obviously those mission critical decisions can make or break power for a community, can make or break uh, whether or not you respond to a potential issue in time uh, or effectively or efficiently. And it's definitely an industry that is changing rapidly as we see renewables make their way into the industry in a different way. You know, the role of oil and gas is shifting and um, you know how it interacts with those renewables is interesting. Obviously, a control room is going to be very useful and very necessary for that kind of interaction. So I wanted to get a sense from both of you what needs are particularly present in oil and gas control rooms that differ from some of the other industries that you create control rooms for. So in, in my opinion, you know, the needs of the oil and gas companies, they are different, but also they're not. I guess the best way to describe it is there's more operational quirks with the oil and gas industry. You know, we've got a control room or an operational centre or you know, control environment on dry land, whereas actually what it's controlling or what they're speaking to and what they're working with is hundreds of miles away. You know, it may be offshore, it may be in a remote location. Um, so that's just something that we have to factor in. You know, it's the communication. How do we get information data to and from with, with very minimal latency? So there's lots of these types of things. Digitalization of the industry has pushed operators to look how they, they run their businesses. So what efficiencies can they make? Uh, can processes be improved? Um, is the way that they're currently operating their business the best way? So if any of these questions are being asked and, and the answer they come back with is no, you know, we're not doing this in the best way, uh, then, then they make changes. So uh, they try to create more collaborative, streamlined work environments. I'd say all, all businesses are sort of looking to how to improve efficiencies and processes. So um, with the use of technology these days and Perhaps we agree, Doug, that the oil and gas industry will agree as well. They're slightly behind the times of many industries in terms of the technology they're using, um, just because of the legacy of the type of industry that it is. Um, but like in terms of health and safety within in the history of offshore disaster, they're, they're looking at digitalization and recognizing that it's fundamental to improving employee safety and efficiency. And what well, we assume profit as well so right <laughs> use of a different word right no well i mean that makes sense obviously money motivates but at the same time when you're dealing with this industry um worker safety is a big part of daily operations um so yeah having 
having a control room that isn't outdated and utilizes automation, utilizes pulling data from several different points to give a better picture of what you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis is not only helpful, but I think necessary. You know, it's pretty important that the entire industry transitions over to more comprehensive control rooms. Uh, How have you seen tangible positives affect this industry uh, from them investing in comprehensive control rooms? Have you seen reduction in cost, increased efficiency, better communication? Obviously, you already mentioned um, worker safety improved. uh, But beyond that, what other tangible benefits have you seen? So obviously we we can't really talk about client financials, sure. Um, yeah, but, but just in a I mean, in a broader general no, absolutely. sense, absolutely. Uh, no, I absolutely get what you're talking about. Um, so with one specific client that I, I can think of, they've seen a significant uptime uh, from their their operated asset. So effectively, what that means is traditionally in an operated asset they've got uptime, downtime. So time when they're producing, time when they're not. What they found is because they can identify problems before it happens, they can put in steps to prevent an event which would cause downtime happening. Um, so as, as part of that, they've seen improved production values. And of course, as Bob alluded to in the last part of the conversation, that, that in turn makes profit. So with this particular customer, they came to us trying to develop a new concept and a new way of working. They had an idea. They weren't sure exactly how they were going to do it. So they had a limited budget to to work with. We took their number and said, right, what is it you want to achieve? What do you need this to do? What additionals would you like to have? So what nice to have would you you like in there? And we sort of built a system around the essentials and as many as nice to haves as we could fit into into their budget uh, and gave them their initial solution. So from that starting point, they significantly improved the uptime and the production of, of their operated assets. They significantly improved the production, just overall production values. So they saw a, a massive increase of profitability from, from this asset group. So on the back of that, they then said, right, this has worked. Let's evolve this a little bit further. We can actually add in some of the additional things that we decided to remove. They then decided to add in additional control rooms for different asset groups. So from that, that just shows that they've bought into this way of working. They've bought into this controlled environment. It's the ultimate testament of success of these environments. Yeah, right. When you have the entire organization buy into it and transition their workflow entirely, then, you know, that, yeah, definitely points to the impact that a control room can have on efficiency and on just improving the day-to-day for workers in that industry. Absolutely, yes. Definitely. As Doug says, we've been advised about the the cost reduction operation from, from one of our clients being extremely significant. So, And, and they're looking to roll, roll out as a global standard um, for many parts of their business. So since technology has changed and you're starting to see some of these legacy industries like oil and gas completely change their workflow and implement digital assets to help them better manage and control their operations, the design process of it has to be very intentional and has to work around you know a lot of the infrastructure, um, both the, the business infrastructure and the literal infrastructure of the company. So... Walk me through what that design process looks like beginning to end when you're working with clients to develop a control room. And specifically, let's focus on the oil and gas industry. As we have discussed at various points, um, you talk about the the infrastructure. The infrastructure is a big barrier, but um, obviously technology has improved. So 
interconnectivity between onshore and offshore, if we talk about a, an offshore asset, um, has improved dramatically. So we are finding that, you know, we can't, bandwidth hungry uh, technologies can be more and more and more utilised. But to sort of step back slightly, building a control room doesn't really differ in a certain way to building any other environment for a client. We kind of start by just sitting down with the client and just finding out what is their end goal? What is their aspiration? What do they want to achieve from implementing a solution? So it may seem quite simplistic, to, to just boil it down to that but we need to know what they want to achieve there's no point in right. us just giving them a pile of boxes and saying yeah it does this stuff but <laughs> it may not be any use to them so it is a very simplistic approach i take to to just sitting down with clients and that is let's go through what you want to achieve let's let's look at your business use how are you going to use this environment how do you want to to see this working so that's not just technology, that's actually just the, the user's perspective. That's you know how users interact with something, how the users interact with each other. Does half a room have to speak to half a room offshore? Does half a room have to speak to half a room somewhere in another building? You know, how are they going to work? So that'll help us lay out you know, maybe the, the, the actual room, the actual environment, and it'll also just help us give, get an idea of what technology we have to implement and how, how we have to work with that. So we'll take their suggestions, we'll maybe offer some things back and say, well, have you thought about this? Have you, have you thought about you know, maybe just adapting things a little bit? Or have you thought about this additional piece of functionality that we can, we can bring in? So the actual growth of the system and actual growth of the environment, it becomes quite organic rather than just somebody coming to us saying we want all these boxes or us going to somebody else saying here's a pile of boxes we can put it together and voila you've got something you know we actually try and create something which is customized and developed for them to suit their needs so sometimes we find that you know we'll be working in a building which is very fixed you know the environment is predetermined we don't have any say on you know effectively what the room layout is maybe or we've got very fixed things around us we can't move so we have to sort of develop and devise technology to suit that environment other times we find that you know we'll work with the client's architects the, you know, the building contractors and then we can put our opinions or put our thoughts and you know we can help devise the best layout for you know for workflow whether that's viewing distance of a screen angles of view so all users have the best possible viewing experience and also it gives them you know we can we can then when we've, we're part of the building design and the concept uh, we can also develop a system that gives best sonic performance so as i said earlier if half a room has to be involved in you know audio video conversations uh, online we can tailor microphones and speakers to that environment that allow them to have that really clear almost like this is the person sitting next to you sort of experience so what we try and do is we'll devise a system ultimately that suits the environment but also just really importantly suits the users and what they want to do you know these people in, in a lot of cases are working in, in environments for long shifts you know it could be 12 hours or so they have to be comfortable they have to be able to interact with the technology and that interaction has to be simple right so they, they, they can't have a, a really complicated system that if you do these three things and then you know stand your tiptoes walk around backwards th that doesn't work they have to just be able to <laughs> press one button and a desired effect has to happen so we, we, we spend a lot of time working on the, the user experience as well as the technology it makes up that i would say that the difference is probably the daily impact it has on a business and in industry uh, you know doug's mentioned that we work closely with the client and find out the business needs of each 
system that they want to put in right down to the sort of operational processes and how the system we can provide can improve their daily operational process. Um, as he says, we still have delays with the project contractors and probably with that controller, most, we would probably have to guide them more into, in this scenario, as the rooms have to fit with the system we're providing rather than usually it's the other way around. As Doug says, you're not just providing box boxes and off you go and that's it. Um, it's, it's tailored to how they want it to work. So in that sense, it's certainly the pressure of getting it spot on is right up there. So there's no room for error once the system goes live. So the most important factor is probably the ease of control and comfort for the users. As Doug says, the room's got to be tailored to how the system functions and how they're laid out from the basic layouts of desks to more complex display scenario layouts to the sort of lighting scenes of the room. And it's just about comfort for them day to day and being able to have access to everything at their fingertips. And obviously having access and having an experience that's easy to use is essential because we're seeing control rooms become more of a blend of your new digital technology and automation and pulling info from different data points. But at the end of the day, at least when we look at the physical center, the control room, it is a very analog process. There are a lot of moving parts and it's a very hands-on room. Uh, so how important do you see that design of the space in achieving that digital and analog harmony? Um, and how do you find uh, both digital examples of, of design that allow for that harmony and also physical ones and act literal layout or design of, you know, how you, how you lay out the buttons, the colors, the, uh, the feel of the desks and of the screens. Uh, yeah. Give us your insight. So, this kind of comes back to or harks back to you know what we're talking about when the client comes to us with a concept the client in, in some situations where we, we've developed these kind of environments the, the client may say to us oh we've got four people that we we envisage being in this environment and uh, they have to do these sort of job functions so again it's an organic growth um, so if, if we see we've got four people they may be laid out in a certain way. We may find that you know the, the technology we employ is is different to if they say to us we've got twenty people that need to be in this environment. So first of all, you know, in terms of the layout and the workflow type of the environment, that's very much working with the client to to fulfil something that matches their needs. Secondly, you know, when we talk about the sort of the digital components, you know, the, the user experience, how they interact with the system, that kind of comes down to, you know, how much flexibility do we require to put into the system? Uh, so if they want to have a million possible uh, different uh, permutations of configuration of the system, we need to find and, and develop a way that makes sense to allow the users to deploy these sort of things. In terms of the user interface, you know, we might find that we, we try to go for a very flat but uh, quite contrasty type control system. So you might find that a black and white uh, works really well or, you know, a black and grey maybe sort of type thing uh, with, with key buttons. So like if, if we're talking about calls or, or, or microphone mutes, you know, a microphone muted in red just highlights to say, hey, your, your your microphone is safe. You're muted. Uh, you're hang up. Your your answer calls. So in a, in an emergency, for example, a call comes in. You can instantly reach over, hit answer, and it comes through. You don't have to think, oh, where's the answer button? Um, these sort of things that just make little differences to the user experience. 
you know, just simple things like that that just make the difference. Yes, many of the platform controls will still be using as we would call analog functions. So your switches and valves that you mentioned earlier, Doug, um, for day-to-day operations, but the communication bit, which is where we come in, is the reason the industry is calling it digitalization. So I would say the next phase and challenge is how we integrate the operational functions of a control facility into the systems we provide. So the communication bit that we're doing just now and the operations that they do work hand in hand. That's the next challenge. So, Doug, Bob, to wrap things up and peer into our crystal ball a little bit, uh, I'd like to look forward and ask you both what technological or social slash business changes do you see driving the future of control rooms forward? And this doesn't have to be in one particular industry, but just in general, how do you see control rooms continuing to evolve and meet the needs of their industries? And how do you see technology or sort of structural industry changes making uh, those changes with control rooms actually happen? So I think as, as Bob mentioned uh, previously, um, the next challenge of actually automating some very analog functions uh, and integrating that into an enhanced and control environment is is a big challenge uh, and that's something that if if we can almost bring the full oil and gas control room onto an inherently safe environment you know that would be a great end goal for the oil and gas industry allowing people to go home safe be you know, entirely safe uh, without you know the need to put them in a hostile environment it's a difficult question because there's so many industries that would look to use a control room for different things so I guess the way technology is advancing um, is becoming more IT-based platforms. So the control room is a difficult one because we're looking at communication through IT-based platforms, through software, for mainly everything. So it's a difficult one to see how we integrate our systems with operational functions, I guess, for some of the industry I guess in simple terms, we could say that a user doesn't have to be in a control room anymore. You know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm currently sat in London, Bob's in Edinburgh, obviously you're, you're across in the States. So we're, we're, we're three people having a conversation right now. We can quite happily have that conversation, you know, without uh, the barrier of, you know, the distance. So we, we can sit and have this conversation if we didn't have the technology. Uh, to have this conversation and work together, we wouldn't be able to have this. So that's that's one of the things. And actually just saying, rather than actually having a control room, which is one fixed thing in one fixed location, you can have that control environment spread over multiple locations and actually mm. bring people in from different parts of the world. So if it's, a, if it's an environment that operates 24-7, you could have a follow-the-sun type mentality. Uh, you, you could have people working in different locations uh, and actually just, being comfortable in their environment. So there are lots of things, lots of challenges. It's the analog part with with legacy functions. It's the, the new ways of working where people are, are more remote, more diverse. It's bringing in, you know, things like, you know, the social media feeds. What do we need to respond to? What does the public think of what we're trying to deal with? It's just making sure that all these things are integrated, available, and, you know, able to be used and, you know, digested as part of this, this system. So, that's that's the challenges that I can see uh, in in the future. Yeah, I think that as it kind of develops through these businesses, you're going to have different divisions of the industry. So, for example, you may have a disaster control room 
which is able to link into all the different control rooms of all the different clients in the in the business in the oil and gas industry and they allow they can link in for any part of the business if there's a disaster of some sort then they can all talk to each other instantly so it's that that type of thing that just allows it to be more seamlessly communicated yeah i couldn't agree more you know i think technology is powerful but only to the point where we can use it effectively and in a way that's integrated to our daily processes so as this technology continues to make its way into industries like oil and gas, where you're changing out a lot of analog systems and trying to digitize them and automate them, you know, no moves should be made unless it's it's pretty certain that the the new updated version is going to be more effective than whatever the analog, however outdated that version is. So yeah, it's definitely important to be thoughtful, and it's great to have people like both of you helming these changes in the industry to give that thoughtful insight for your clients. And I really appreciated having both of you on the podcast to break down the future of control rooms in the oil and gas industry and just the current state of them as a whole across all industries. So, Bob, Doug, thank you both for joining me on the podcast. It was a pleasure getting to chat. Thank you thank very you much for having us. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Pro AV Podcast. And if you like what you heard and would like to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries. And subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.